Warning, this is a satirical rugby podcast for degenerate gamblers, rugby fanatics, and anyone in between. If that sounds like you, you've come to the right place. If you're easily offended, oh well, who cares, who knows, why bother? Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. Alright, welcome back to Generate Gamblers, Rugby Fanatics, and everybody in between. Everybody, week one is in the books. Hey, oh, welcome back. On behalf of my co-host, Uncle Johnny, I'm BT. We're going to go ahead, read you off all the final scores with our lines. Uh, the opening game, New Orleans Gold, the NOLA Gold, won 35-26. We had them as an eight-point underdog on the road, but what the hell do we know? Um, so we had our first road victory. The next game, we had Austin, a 21.5-point underdog on the road against Glendale. We were at that game. Check out our Boots on the Ground edition. Um, but Austin covered that spread. They lost 41 to 26, um, but they uh, they showed some second half second half heart um, amongst a slew of red cards. And Seattle came in as hosts uh, against San Diego and really showed dominance in the forward pack and won 39 to 23. Surprising some folks, probably not those folks up in the Pacific Northwest. Johnny's just a bit sour because he went 0-3 on his first week of pick him against the spread. But, hey, that's why there's a spread. Any idiot can pick winners. Let's see you pick against the spread. But, like I said in week one, nobody really knows anything. Uh, week one and four, one through four in the NFL are where people actually make money against the books. So uh, we're not going to have our lines super dialed in until we see a couple more games, but we'll do our best. And a lot of exciting rugby and some nice surprises in there, starting with Houston hosting NOLA and two pretty evenly matched teams. This was uh, kind of a feisty battle in the first half, a nice little uh, contest between the scrum halves getting chippy with each other. Uncle Johnny, don't you notice that scrum halves are always small and usually the spiciest slash angriest people on the field? Yeah, a little overcompensation. Plus, you got to be feisty as a scrum half out there running around around the scrums and lineouts and, and, and getting your hands dirty. So really, that, that contest got – it certainly got spicy. Uh, Nola's number nine, Holden Youngert, product of St. Mary's, good old – Chops and top knot. He had the best look going in the MLR week one, without a doubt. Uh, he had his top knot dialed in and absolutely legendary chops. And uh, him and the other scrummy, what was it? Uh, Connor Murray? Connor Murphy. Oh, not not to be confused with Connor Murray from Ireland. Definitely uh, not exactly the same type of performance. And I don't know if I agree with the chops per se, nor top not. But, hey, you do you out there, Mr. Yunkert. You definitely won that battle. And it was good to see, uh, like, a little little feistiness. I think a couple themes that came out of that, Houston's got that Fijian connection. 
Colony Sao uh, with a try and Visi with two tries. I love hearing the announcer do that soft C all game. Visi. 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 Are we say it a lot on this podcast. Are we in Fiji or Barcelona? I don't know. Uh, but he, he, we will probably be saying his name a lot because he's looking like an early season game breaker. He was just running away with it. Really hard to tackle. Uh, and that resulted in his two tries. For Nola, they have the Chilean connection. Nicola Bursic and Sebastian Calm. Now, there were also two ex-teammates going at it in the front row. Old Ben Tarr and Jake Turnbull. And uh, Turnbull ended up uh, copping a yell in the first half, so you can be sure old Tari let him hear about it after the game. <laughs> For Nola, J.P. Eloff, uh, decent kicking and uh, good ball running and really retention. He's a, he's a great fundamental player, comes from a good rugby family as well. And Matt Houston, he, he's, he stood out to me. Uh, he's, a, he's a good baller, young, and uh, he recovered a nice little baby box kick from Younger in the, in the uh, second half for a try himself. Uh, those two Chileans, uh, Bursic and Calm, both scored as well. Uh, I think the real turning point for me in the game where Nola really uh, showed their dominance and, and, and came together as a team, they, they copped a yellow card. Uh, on their own try line, um, kind of saving uh, a try with a yellow, which is a risky, risky deal to, to begin with. But then they ended up uh, holding on, goal line stand. Uh, they ended up with a guy in the bin scoring seven points. And, and really, uh, once they got that guy back, they, they, they held on despite some more heroics from Viti. Trueville is uh, player coach. He, you know he was he he tried to soldier through an injury in the sec into the second half and uh, couldn't make it. So uh, for Houston, they're going to want to see him come back. We're hopeful that he's okay. That's going to be a, a difference maker for them. But you know, all, all in all, um, not always like a super clean, free flowing game. It kind of felt like a match that was being played on a high school football field because. You know, it kind of was, but uh, there's some good there's some good rugby in there. All I know is my man Taylor Haddon's getting more salt and pepper every year he plays. The more gray hairs you see, the more rugby experience you get. Old Fat Tails had a real good game, good ball in hand, good forward ball. I mean, Nola's pretty good. Yeah, and JP Eloff again stood out to me. I liked his little little step in a try at the in the second half that put things a little further out and and he looked like he was a little shaken up i like the the french referee coming in he gave him the uh old school hia which was uh hey uh you know where we are and he's like yeah and that was it that was the whole hia that's concussion protocol on mlr you just have to say that you know where you are <laughs> no we're just kidding we take injuries very so seriously we hope, we hope everybody's okay there's some people dinged up on the deck a lot in that game so we hope both teams come out uh clean the other side some good Rugby to be had. Now, is it just me or is any referee with a French accent just seems super bossy? <laughs> he, <laughs> I, he did have control of the game. As one of the commentators said during the match, uh, you knew who was boss out there. Yeah. Well, Nola wins on the road. I don't. They're going to have a bye week uh, this upcoming week, but you can bet week three if they're hosting a game that they will most likely be favorites because we saw a real good performance out of them. 
on to Austin at Glendale. It was the game of the week. It was on CBS. Packy and Vizard on the call. And uh, we were there. Check out our Boots on the Ground first edition um, where we gave you the feels, sounds, and smells of the game. So we really won't go into total detail, but um, I do want to make a correction from Boots on the Ground. Um, the long Henko Hermesis run, I said that uh, Seth Hallman got bumped off. It was the other wing, Harley Davidson. Uh, but man, that was a hell of a run. Hanko must have had 150 plus solo meters in the second half. You rarely see that out of a forward. Um, but a slew of red cards at the end of the game helped Austin come back and cover our 21 point spread. We were so goddamn close. We thought we had the spread on lock. We both thought Glendale would cover that spread, but it ended up being a 15-point victory Did, by Glendale. Didn't anticipate uh, three cards at the end there, but, you know, got to tighten up the discipline. Yeah, that game's on YouTube. It's a hell of a game. Go ahead and watch it if you haven't already. But let's go to our final game in the Northwest. And, uh, Johnny, there is a new MLR clubhouse leader for Best Mustache, and it's our dear friend of the Rugby Pick'em Podcast, Mike Garrity, who came off the bench for the Seawolves. My God, that man has an absolute caterpillar on his lip. Burt Reynolds would be proud. <laughs> but the game started out fast. Mack, Phil Mack, another one of our favorite player coaches, and uh, Nick Boyer, who was a late scratch for Osberger, both started out the game playing really fast, ping-ponging back and forth. Uh, Ricky Hatton made a break uh, when he just picked up the ball at the base of the ruck, and uh, ran up field and uh, Matt Turner had thought he scored in the corner it was a forward pass but my god his face after he hugged his teammate thought he scored a try was priceless I think everybody loves other people's misery and when I was watching it I was just smiling knowing that he was so excited only to be called back for a forward pass uh, but we also want to send out our recovery prayers to Ricky Haddon he was playing such a cracker of a game in the first half uh, but clearly suffered a brutal concussion after he was kind of pinned by a tackler. And when the whole thing went to deck, his head slammed against the ground. Anybody who plays rugby knows that shitty situation where your arms are pinned in. You can't really brace for the ground. So our prayers go out to Ricky Hatton for a good recovery because, boy, he's an exciting player. Now, as the first half went back and forth, um, again, chip kicks all day. Ben Seema did kick a lot of possession away. That's what all the talking heads are saying. But, I mean, I don't really know what to take on this San Diego team. They have skill. They played really well at times. But the story of the game was that front row for the Seawolves. Three penalty tries. That's unheard of in rugby. Uh, they were all scrums from inside the five where they're about to push over. San Diego collapsed it. Kellen Gordon, Ray Barkwell, Tim Metcher, the boys who came off the bench, Mike Shepard, Vili Tolutau, and Olive Khalifi are our men of the match. That's right, plural. Front row club. I mean, it, it was a show. I, props usually don't get a lot of props, pardon the pun. <laughs> but, I mean, today, Kellen Gordon was dominant. Metcher, Barkwell, they all deserve the man of the match. They ended up scoring three penalty tries. That's right. Um, but, yeah, things got chippy. Um, Boyer gave Phil Mack a good little shot a couple times, um, which makes me think, after watching the NOLA game, we should do a weekly bit called uh, Who's the Angriest Scrummy in the MLR? <laughs> I think it's uh, 
still our boy Younger after week one with those chops, but that'll be uh, something we got to come back to. The surly scrum half. Now, when uh, the first penalty try happened, Derek Summers gave the penalty try. Now, apparently Cam Dolan or somebody on the Legion thought that you can take a quick start after a penalty try, and apparently that's not the rule. And they did not learn that rule throughout the game as they kept attempting to try, but we almost had our first fight. Cam Dolan grabbed the ball, went to go take that quick start. Someone from Seattle ran up to him, kind of tackled him, roughhoused him. Mikey Tail comes screaming in out of the side of the screen. And meanwhile, we have our friend Derek Summers <laughs> roughing the game, sounding like a, uh, a teacher in a middle school. Guys, come on, guys, stop. Guys, please. <laughs> I mean, he really was like pleading with them to stop. Bro, you're the ref. Step up. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, he is one of the best refs unequivocally in the United States. And there was a lot of back and forth, ticky tack. All, all weekend with all teams, there's a lot of discipline issues. So they got to tighten that up. Uh, I'll admit. I mean, he called a good game. But, man, there's something about that pleading tone. When you're begging players, guys, please, guys. I mean, anybody who watched the game heard him mic'd up. I know refing's a tough job. I'm still going to give ref shit. Every game I go to uh, in the audience, I'm screaming down at the field, you missed the damn call. So I'm not going to change my uh, stance on it. But um, let's just. <laughs> I'm not going to start stop backing up uh, uh, the refs. I, I tell you what, be a professional out there, you know. Don't make me yell at you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the, the second half went back and forth. San Diego got a late try um, with, I believe it was Turori, um, who dotted over. There was also a driving mall late um, where Derek Summers did not know where the line was. Um, and, you know, they got the soccer lines painted on there, um, so it was a tough call. But all in all, Seattle dominated this game in and out um, their fans were absolutely on fire. I love that they boo the other kicker when he's going. Anybody who wants to play by the European standards where everybody goes quiet can go eat shit because uh, nothing's better than a jeering crowd. That's terrible. <laughs> that is straight South American stuff right there. No, I, I love it. It's, it's American <laughs> culture. I, we don't need to be polite. When you have home field advantage, you let the other team hear it. But... Seattle closes out strong. They covered the three-and-a-half-point spread, and we are eyeing next week's Game of the Week when the Glendale Raptors head out to the Northwest in what will be a uh, top-of-the-table battle. Should be fun. Where were we right? Where were we wrong? And how can we right those wrongs? You were 0 for 3 on your games. <laughs> you took Houston to cover 8.5. They did not at home. We both took Austin, or uh, sorry, we both took Glendale to cover that 21.5 point spread. They only won by 16. And um, you also took the Legion on the road. So you were 0 and 3. I went with NOLA as the upset and Seattle as the home favorites. So I went 2 and 1 in my first week. Johnny, uh,. John is going to want to forget about that first week and pick them. It's a tough one, but it was exciting. Here's the thing about gambling. You don't get your money back when you lose. But there's always next week to bounce back. And as long as your pockets are still lined, there's more bets to be placed. All right. Anybody who listened to our pilot episode knows uh, my take that the MLR needed Pro Rugby to fail in order to succeed. 
Uh, so to honor that, we are going to do a weekly bit called uh, Thanking Doug. And we're just going to take a moment to recognize the man who made a successful MLR possible, Doug Schoeninger himself. So two years ago, April 25th, 2016, the first New York Times article came out promoting pro rugby. And although Doug didn't have any direct quotes, I'd love to read you a blurb. Pro rugby is the brainchild of Doug Schoeninger, who is bankrolling the five-team league. Schoeninger has tapped into the already existing grassroots rugby communities for pro rugby's inaugural season, but he hopes to develop the league further and increase rugby's footprint in America. There are already plans to add teams next year. So yeah, uh, thank you, Doug. Moving on to our first voicemail. Hey, BT and Johnny, this is Mike from Iowa. Uh, just calling with some questions and hoping you guys have some insight into this. Who's missing from the MLR um, as we get started here? A lot of big names on there, but I'm also feeling like I'm missing some, some big names that aren't there as well. Um, and just wanted to hear your thoughts on that about who's out there floating around that some of these teams haven't snatched up yet. Also, what's your prediction on if MLR takes off? When can we expect to see things like a draft? What does recruitment look like for players, and where do you see the contracts going? Any insight into these would be awesome, and appreciate what you guys are doing here with the Pick'em. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Mike from Iowa. Those were some very thoughtful questions. And to the point of who is missing, there are some guys overseas, uh, specifically in Europe, that uh, you're going to see their end, their season ending up, and, and you may see some of those guys slide back uh, stateside and land some contracts, especially as teams are going to need depth through a long season. Yeah, I agree with that, but I also think it's the matter of this is a new league and they can only offer so much money. So I bet there's a lot of really good quality professional club players who just aren't willing to leave their family or their full-time paying job with health insurance and benefits um, you know, for a first-year league when a first-year league crumbled two years ago. So it's stability. There's definitely some club players who are on the pro level um, that just aren't willing to make a jump and uproot themselves. Uh, as far as the second question goes, what will we see in the future with player recruitment in a draft? I love that question because I always like to think like a GM or an owner and quite frankly, in a first-year league, it's going to be the wild, wild west of recruitment. I don't know. We'd love to get a, uh, a league source, uh, but I'm pretty sure that there's a soft um, salary cap. That's pretty much the only thing they have to stay within. Other than that, there's a five international player max where each week you can only put out five non-Americans on the field. Uh, but other than that, it's totally up to the owners and general managers and directors of rugby, whatever the hell you want to call their titles, but they're going to be the ones out there scouring the earth in the U.S. for rugby talent, and it's totally going to be a, a tooth-and-nail clawing war in the offseason to recruit talent. It'd be fun to see that draft idea uh, happen to get some real excitement and the real league feel, especially for these kids coming out of college, a lot of whom could play at this level right now but are finishing their collegiate careers so that'd be a lot of fun thank you mike from iowa that brings us to our player try eliminator pool uh for those that weren't with us on week one each week we're going to pick four players who we think are going to score 
once you pick a player, you're done. You can't use them again. Things are probably going to get pretty thin come week eight or nine, but there's still a lot of playmakers on the board. Uh, last week, I went with Zach Pangeline and Cam Dolan, Sebastian Calm, and Sean Davies. Sebastian Calm dotted down, put one in the books for me. But uh, Uncle Johnny, you had a big week. Yeah, Kalini Sao, first ever MLR, MLR try. And Matt Houston uh, in the same game. Those were good hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also went with Z Nguenya and Phil Max, so you cannot go back to them this week. And before we make our week two predictions, uh, can we just start calling Sebastian Combs Seabass? It is a Seabass. I love that name. Seabass. Ellen's offered to pick up our check. Seabass said that. Well, if uh, that guy at the table over there is Seabass. Week two picks, Johnny. Who you got to score? Uh, this week I'm going with J.P. Eloff. He had a great showing. Uh, Jake Turnbull, who also scored a try. I love a good prop try, so I'm backing him for another one. He scored off a mall in that match for Houston. I'm going to go with Harley Davidson because uh, he showed pretty well for Glendale. And Hanko Hermeshus, the Safa Explosion. He was a baller, and I'm backing him for some more scoring. So you're going with Hanko as your lock? He's a lock. All right, for me, I'm going with the big boy, Paul Lasique for the Utah Warriors in at center. Um, in Houston, Josh Vithi. Love the name, Vithi. And um, I'm actually going to go with Aladdin Shermer to score this week. He was all over the park uh, Sunday for the Seawolves. And my lock to score this week, none other than Will McGee. On to this week's games. Week two, we have great matchups. Let's talk about these lines, these spreads. Game one pits the Austin Elite at the Houston Sabercats. My early line on this, Johnny, was to have Houston just favored by three and a half um, because they were at home. But quite frankly, they didn't show us a whole lot at home last week. And Austin really looked pretty strong uh, physically. Line speed on defense was good. That's why they hung with Glendale uh, early in the game. Uh, so I kind of would favor Austin on this by an unconverted try myself. So Interesting, interesting. I think we both decided we we're going to go with our first ever pick em game, which in uh, gambling terms means there is no line. All you got to do is pick the winners. We really don't have a read um, on Houston at home. And Johnny liked the way Austin played. So for game one, we are going to have an even pick em game. That brings us to game two, the Utah Warriors at the San Diego Legion. This is tough for me because we don't have a good read on the Warriors, but I put San Diego as a five and a half point favorite at home. I'm, I'm coming in a little higher because uh, San Diego is kind of, even though they got run over in the forwards, uh, they got something to play for, and they've knocked off, hopefully, some of that rust. So I'm going uh, San Diego minus nine. Where do you want to meet in the middle on this for our official rugby pick'em line? So we mean, let's say 7.5. All right. San Diego is going to be a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in that game, too. And lastly, the game of the week, the Glendale Raptors at the Seattle Seawolves. This is tough. Both teams are really good. I don't want to disrespect Seattle with home field, but until I see Glendale beat and beat badly, I'm going to continually say that they're the favorites here in this league. I got Glendale with an eight and a half point favorite 
on the road. We got our first home dog. It's a good line. Hey, everybody, I'm Matt McCarthy, a rugby wrap-up, but it's time to pick them. Who you got? Johnny, who you got? Game one, even spread, Austin Elite at the Houston Sabercats. I'm going to take Austin, even on the road. It's not a far trip for them, and uh, I like what they had to show against Glendale. I'm also going with Austin this week. I like the way the Sumiola brothers cut up the line against Glendale. Hanko obviously had the huge game. Pedri and Clever ran hard in the minutes that they play. And honestly, I just didn't see enough from the Houston pack, aside from a driving mall late in the game uh, where Jake Turnbull dotted down. Uh, It was a real sloppy game. Then again, I don't really have a good read on either one of these teams, but I'm going with Austin. Game two. Warriors of Utah traveling to San Diego. We got a seven and a half point advantage for San Diego Legion. I'm taking San Diego with the points. Really interesting. I think I'm going to fade you here. Uh, I watched that Warriors Glendale preseason game, and yeah, Glendale ran up a pretty big scoreline, but the Warriors got some moves. They hit pretty hard. You can be sure that they're going to put out a good team in their first hit out in the MLR. Give me the Warriors and the points. And lastly, the game of the week. Glendale Raptors on the road against the Seattle Seawolves. We have the Raptors as an eight and a half point favorite, which makes the Seawolves our first home dog. Always want to bet on a home dog if you like your side. Johnny, where are you lying on this one? I'm taking the home dog. I'm going to give Seattle a run uh, with those points. Uh, they showed some some physicality up front. Uh, we'll see what their backline can do to to hang with Glendale. I'm going with Glendale again. Honestly, until I see them lose, I'm always going to consider them the favorites. They're always good for a quick 20, 30 points in the blink of an eye. Um, the only thing keeping this line in single digits, in my opinion, is the fact that Glendale got sloppy in the second half um, last week against Austin. Um, Seattle's performance by their front row was unreal, but (laughs) unlike last week, front rowers don't score a lot of points. Glendale to cover the eight and a half. But because it's the game of the week, we are going to set the total points over under. Um, Now, we're big gut guys. We love to trust our gut, but we do have our first data set back from week one where each team collectively averaged 31 points, actually 31 and two-thirds points. So uh, for this week's over-under, we're going to take that number, double it, because there's obviously two teams playing. We're going to set the over-under at 62 and a half. Johnny, should we call our scoops expert? Let's give him a ring. What's up? Oh, man, I couldn't resist. We were going through Reno, Nevada, and the Circus Circus is only one block away from the Amtrak station. So I got off uh, uh, early uh, in the morning, and uh, I got a room. I'm at the Circus Circus, and I had a great chit-chat with the pit boss at the Circus Circus. He's not really familiar with rugby, so I was telling him about it, and he definitely is interested in possible uh, doing some lines. He wants to watch... Uh, watch it for a couple weeks, and he's actually thinking about uh, putting uh, some lines. So I might get you guys some business, maybe some sponsorship. I don't know. Hey. But uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, But, yeah, I got another eight hours to kill, and uh, I got to get back on the train. And I'm en route to Seattle to uh, watch uh, 
Glendale play uh, Seattle this weekend. So uh, I'm due to roll into uh, uh, Seattle, I don't know, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, something like that. Well, that's the old game of the week. We've got the uh, over-under on 62.5 points total. Oh, speaking of the over, my gosh, uh, all that money I made on the over last weekend in the Glendale match, and I don't care who scores the points as long as they're scored, I took all that money and I invested it in Hallmark cards uh, Monday, yesterday morning, and I already doubled my money. I mean, my gosh, how many cards can a referee pull out of his pocket in one match? Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're getting ahead in the market. Not everybody's doing that right now. But what are you hearing out there about this game of the week, Glendale, Seattle? Well, you know, uh, 62 and a half, I've, I've got to go with the over again. I mean, if you look at the score of all the matches, uh, I needed a calculator to uh, figure it out. It's uh, probably averaging around 60-something, 70-something points. Uh, uh, there's, there's lots of scoring, lots of scoring. I don't think, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say because uh, Glendale's going to be missing a couple of their big-time uh, uh, forwards because of the car thing. And so uh, we'll see if uh, Seattle's going to be able to push uh, Glendale around like they did San Diego. So uh, uh, I'm going to look and see if uh, there's any Doug Schoeninger uh, sightings. I uh, I kind of I know exactly what he looks like, so I'm going to be looking out for him as well. All right. So where are you settling on that over-under, 62.5 points? What do we got? Uh, over. Over has been very, very good to me. There's, I'm going over. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot, Harpo. Travel safe there on the rails. All aboard! to hear from the listeners if you have a funny prop bet a great story from a drink up or tour or just a cheeky quip call 970-645-6222 and leave a voicemail if the audio is good we'll use it next week's pick'em again 970-645-6222